Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this afternoon. And once again, Lord, as we approach the word of the Lord, we thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that understands you and understands your ways. We thank you for fresh understanding. We thank you for fresh revelation. And as we approach the word, we approach it with humility and trust, dear Lord, trust in your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, and to give us understanding in the truths that pertain to your word. We thank you for it, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin our lesson today by giving you a little introduction to what I want to share with you. I have noticed that lately a number of you have been experiencing a great deal of afflictions and much tribulation in various areas of your life. Now, when I questioned the Lord about this, the Spirit of God guided me to a verse of Scripture, which I will share with you in a while, showing me clearly that the reason for these afflictions and trials that you're experiencing is because of the word you received from this ministry. And what the Lord indicated to me is that the devil is mad at the word you received, and because of it, he's throwing everything at you in order to cause you to become offended and ultimately steal that word from your heart. That is why you are experiencing some of these tribulations or tests and trials. Now, he showed me this by revelation when I asked him the question. And the scripture that the Lord led me to is recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, and I'm going to read that from the King James Version. This is the Lord speaking, explaining the parable of the sower to his disciples. And he said the following, speaking about a particular group or a particular ground. And these, he said, are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. 
Notice what Jesus said when it comes to afflictions and persecutions. Jesus said affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. In other words, these afflictions that you might be experiencing is a result of the enemy trying to discredit the word that you received, causing you to become offended and ultimately walk away from the word and said, well, this doesn't work for me. I have tried it. And actually, nothing works for me lately. And I believe the word, and I tried believing, but no results. I don't see the fruit. I don't see the results. So let me say this to you. If you want the devil to leave you alone, stop attending to the word. The people who are a threat to him are those who attend to the word and continue to remain in the word. But if you want to grow root in yourself, then you need to continue in the word that you received by remaining faithful and steadfast in what you heard. Jesus said in Mark 4 that we've just read, Satan brings persecution and affliction against those who received the word in order to discredit the very word you received. In other words, he will try to tell you it doesn't work. So, if the word is not deeply rooted in you, he will succeed in his mission and cause that word to become unfruitful. That's why Jesus said, these are they who receive the word and receive it with gladness immediately. But because they have no root in themselves, in other words, they didn't give the word time enough to take root in themselves, they become offended. And so what I want to do in this session, I want to take this opportunity in this session to teach and to show you in a practical way how to resist these attacks and ultimately give the Word of God the opportunity to bring, as Jesus said, some 30, 60, and a hundredfold return. You see, if we refuse to walk away from the truth that we've heard, then that Word will produce in your life sooner or later. But you need to stay with the word and keep it in your heart and the fruit will abound. Now, living by faith should not be a tiresome struggle, but a life of resting in the Lord. That is what faith is. Faith always rests in the promises of God. So if you're struggling to believe God, and all of us, at one point or another, in one area or another, have experienced this struggle. And I've heard this testimony from many a mouth. Pastor, I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to trust God. If you are struggling to believe God in any given area, 
or tired of trying to believe, then you are not truly resting. You haven't reached a place of faith yet. You're trying to believe. You, you're not resting in God's promise. You are allowing the report of the evil one to trouble you, to stress you, to cause you to worry. Yes, you believe the word, but still you find yourself unable to rest and to rejoice in the Lord. That is why I, I, want, to, I want to teach you, I want to show you a practical way how to reach a place where you rest in God. You are so deeply rooted in the word that no report from any other source will ever move you from that word you've heard. You see, the Bible says that faith always rests. He who believes, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 says, he who believes has entered into the rest of God, just as God ceased from his own works. Now, faith rests in this fact that God is faithful and he is able to do what he promises. And this kind of faith that I'm talking about that rests in the Lord is a result of knowing God on an intimate level. I'm not talking about intellectual knowledge, but I'm talking about experiential revelation knowledge. The way to get to this intimate knowledge is through his word. There's no other way. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. The word of God says Jesus is the living word of God. And he said, no one can come to the father except by me. Now, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the word also says that Jesus or the word of God is the author and the finisher. Another word for finisher is the perfecter. He's the one who perfects our faith. And those who desire to perfect their faith and usher themselves into a place of rest must go to the word and allow him to perfect that work of faith in them in their hearts. So, let's continue. The most powerful force in the universe is, of course, the Word of God. No one can do what the Word of God can do. And there is no power on earth that can change the human heart or the human behavior or personality except the Word of God. And he does that from the inside out. In John chapter 1, verse 1, we read these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God and His Word are one and the same. The Word can do whatever God can do. God in His love and mercy has been so gracious and so merciful to us by giving us His all-powerful Word to meet and to satisfy every need of human existence. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word. God's Word has already been sent to us. And He healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Those of us who have tasted and experienced the life-giving Word of God know that this is true. One word from God can change your entire life. 
the Word of God declares that lasting peace and lasting joy can only be found in God's Word. This is the testimony of Jeremiah. This is one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16 says the following. Your words were found, speaking to God, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Notice what Jeremiah says. When I found your words, he said, I ate them. That's figuratively speaking. To eat something means that you make it part of your life. It's like you you eat natural food. You eat that food and it is digested and then it becomes uh, part of you. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. I didn't just read your word. I didn't just hear your word. I ate it. In other words, it has become part of who I am. It's my identity. It's my life. It's my strength. It's my joy. The psalmist also said that protection from all evil is also found in the word of God. Look at Psalm 17 and verse 4. It says the following, Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, O Lord, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. God protects you through his word. Now, you know, Humanity throughout its existence has tried and searched for alternative ways throughout the ages, for alternative means to find solutions and to provide answers to the insurmountable problems we face, and we failed miserably. God in his mercy, though, has already provided the solution and to and the answer to every need, every problem of human existence. And that solution is found in his all-sufficient word. And those who are wise enough have received and embraced the word with all of the hearts. In that embrace, they found what they, the world could not give them. They never offer them. They found peace beyond human understanding. We found rest for our troubled souls. And we found love that we could have never imagined, like the love of God. I believe the one question all unsaved people will have to answer to God one day in the day of judgment would be this. What have you done with my word I gave you in the person of Jesus Christ. Because what we do with the word determines our eternal destiny and also the quality of life we will have. Now, I want to emphasize this, and it's very important. Please listen carefully. Receiving and embracing the word of God must be done the way the Lord has prescribed us to receive it, not as we think or even as we like to receive it. There is a way of receiving the word, embracing the word, and walking with the word. And we need to be careful 
that we receive that word the way it is prescribed to us to receive it. It's just like you're going to a doctor. He looks at you and he diagnoses you have a certain disease or a certain sickness. And he gives you a prescription. And he says, I want you to take this medication three times a day after meals. Now, that medication will not be able to cure your illness unless you take it the way it is prescribed. You can take that medication, that prescription, and put it on the counter or somewhere in your house. But if you never take that inside of you, it will not cure you. The same is with the Word of God. We have to receive and take the Word of God according to the prescribed way the Lord has given us. Understood? If the Word is not working, then you're not receiving it the way God says receive it. You're not taking it according to the prescription. It's very simple. Now, so, if the Word will do His work and bring about the desired results, as I mentioned, we must receive the Word according to the specifications given to us. And I'm going to give you that prescription. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through to 22, the Lord prescribed the way in which His Word is to be received if if it's going to do any good to us. Are you there? Praise the Lord. Let's read it together. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through to 22. My son or my daughter... This is the Lord speaking to us, his born-again children. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all of the flesh. Now let's unpack these these directions the Lord has given us. The first instruction the Lord has given us is to attend to his word. He says, pay attention to my words. Now, the way I understand this instruction is to attend means to give the word our undivided attention. In other words, give him priority. Give the word first place in our everyday lives. Let me give you a practical example. What it means to attend to the word. Last Sunday, one of you texted me a message saying, I have a question to ask you. I replied, can you please hold your question until later as I have guests to attend to right now. What was I doing? I was giving priority to my guests and was attending to them first. Now, it's not that I didn't want to answer the question, but I had something else which took priority of my attention at that specific time. Are you with me? Are you listening to me? I'm trying to give you a practical explanation of what it means to attend 
to the word. Now, this is what it means to attend to the word of God. Give it priority above everything else. Give it first place. And when you have done that, attend to your other business, whatever that business may be, including work. Now, this is where many of us miss it. And I say that not not to condemn you, but hopefully trying to help you. Many will put everything else first before they devote any time or attention to the word. And if they have time at all, they will read a verse or two from the Bible. Hello, are you still with me? Now, this will not work. It will not work. Why? Because it violates the instructions that are given to us by the Spirit. You're not taking your medication according to the prescription. You're not giving the word first place. You're giving it maybe second, third, fourth, fifth place. And that's where many of us are. Now, let's go on reading further. The next instruction given is, incline your ear to my sayings. To incline means to bend your ear, and in this case, towards the word of God. Now, now, listen to what the word says. To listen means, listen carefully now. To listen means to tune in to the word and tune out at the same time everything and anything else that contradicts the word of God. Now, this is what my wife calls selective hearing, and I've been accused of that many times. She would often say to me, Andrea, you have selective hearing, meaning you only hear what you want to hear. There has been several times when my wife was talking to me and I could hear the sound of her voice, but I was not listening to what she was saying. If she had asked me, what did I just say? I could not repeat it to her. You know why? I could hear the sound of her voice, but I wasn't listening to what she was saying. So, and this is what we do with the Word of God many times. We have heard it preached to us. We know what it sounds like. We may have read it. But have we truly listened to what he was saying? Question mark. If anyone would ask you, what is the Word of God saying concerning your particular subject or your particular situation, most of us would not would not be able to repeat what God says or would not know what the Word of God says concerning that situation. I guarantee you that. Because I often ask believers, and I, what did God say to you about this situation? They look at me like, well, I don't know. That means you are not listening. Not that God wasn't speaking. God was speaking, and he's speaking all the time. You just haven't tuned in to what he was saying. 
and because you were listening to some other noise or voice. And so we need to develop selective hearing. Selective hearing. In other words, you need to select who and what you listen to. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. In other words, be careful what you're hearing. Don't just listen to anybody. Don't just give your ears, lend your ears to things that are not from God. That communicate fear, that communicate doubt, that communicate unbelief, that communicate worry and stress. It could be a person, it could be circumstances, or it could be your own feelings and emotions. You know, our emotions speak to us. One day they up, next day they down. Our moods and our swings, they speak to us. We need to develop such faith in God's word that nothing moves us. We are only moved by what we hear from God. As Smil Wigglesworth said once, I'm not moved by what I see and I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved, he said, by what I believe. And then he said this, I cannot know God by what I feel and what I see. I can only know God by his word. He is all that the word says he is, and he can do all that his word says he can do. So inclining our ears to his word, I believe also means taking time to meditate in it. Not just read it, but ponder and think on what God says. I believe that meditation turns the letter of the word into the sayings of the Lord. That is why that second instruction says, incline your ears to my sayings. When you spend time meditating on the written word, then it becomes the rhema word of God to you. Amen. Now, the next instruction given is as follows. Do not let my words depart from your eyes. This has to do with single or healthy vision. Jesus said in Matthew 6:22 from the New Living Translation, "Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light." Now, the Word of God will provide godly vision for our lives. Therefore, we need to constantly see what God sees. And this is where Proverbs 29 verse 18 comes into play. It says, where there is no prophetic vision or godly vision, the people perish. Keeping the word before our eyes refers to seeing everything from the word's standpoint rather than the natural standpoint. Keeping the word before our eyes enables us, of course, to see ourselves the way God sees us. That's important. This is very important. God sees the believer as whole and healthy. When God looks at you, he does not see a sick person. 
regardless of what goes on in your body, God looks at you and sees you as a healthy human being because he sent his word and healed you and delivered you from your destructions. God also sees the believer as a prosperous person, as a blessed person. You are blessed. That's how God sees you. And he will never change his mind regardless of what goes on in the natural in your own life. He will never alter his word or change the way he sees you. You need to understand that. God is always seeing you as the word sees you. Redeemed, forgiven, prosperous, blessed, victorious in Christ Jesus. Because when he looks at you, he sees you through the blood of Christ. Amen? Are you with me? That's what he sees, and that's what he calls you by. That's why the word of God says we ought to call those things which be not as though they were. That's how we change things, by calling those things which be not as though they were. Now, If ever you see yourself differently than the word of God sees you, then surely the word has departed from your eyes. You no longer have a healthy eye. Are you with me? And when your vision goes, darkness floods the entire body. That's what Jesus said. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of health. But if your eye is sick, not seeing what God sees, then your whole body will be filled with darkness. It's important that we understand these principles. Now, the final instruction that God gives us is to keep the words of God in the midst of your heart. To keep means to guard. It means to to guard over your heart by keeping and holding on to the word, regardless of what you might be going through. Hold tight to the word of God. Now, if we follow these instructions that are given to us, there will be no room in our hearts or in our minds for the junk that this world gives us. There will be no room for unbelief. There will be no room for fear or any doubt. So the benefits of this exercise will be life the way God has it and health to all of our flesh. And not only that, we won't struggle to have faith for anything we need. We will come to the place what I call effortless faith because the word has taken root in us. That's what I'm talking about today. This is the way you, the word that you heard takes root and nothing can shake it out of you and nothing can steal it out of you because you've given the word enough time and attention to grow and throw deep roots within the soil of your heart. It will not be hard to believe God. It will not be difficult to rely on his promises. Because the abundance of his word in your eyes, in your ears, in your mind, and in your heart will produce the abundance of faith. Now, 
A major problem we have in the church today is that most believers just dabble in the word rather than being fully immersed in it. You cannot bear fruit as a disciple of the Lord if you just dabble in the word now and again. It won't work. You can take my word for it. It will not work. The knowledge of the word we possess in the church today is more intellectual and superficial rather than experiential knowledge that comes from living with the word and proving the word to be true and reliable. Amen. So when we continue with the word day in and day out, following God's prescribed way, we will come to the place of knowledge, experiential knowledge, revelation knowledge, which produces, of course, the kind of faith that always rests in God. And this, this is what we're going to experience. You will know things supernaturally in your heart. You will know that you know that you know that you know God loves you. You are the beloved of God. And you will have no doubt whatsoever where the love of God is concerned. Even though you might be going through severe tests, severe trials, your friends have abandoned you or someone has betrayed you, you will know that you know in your heart that you are the beloved of God and you will find rest in God's love. Not only that, you will know that you are healed. You're not trying to be healed. You're not trying to believe. Why would you try to get something when you already have it? You will know it. And I mean know it deep down in your heart. It will be a tangible knowledge deep down in your spirit that you know that you know that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt. That you are healed. And your body might be screaming with pain, but you know in your heart. When you reach that place where the word is bigger on the inside than the pain on the outside, that's when you receive your manifestation. Hello. Praise God. Now, you will know you are forgiven, redeemed, delivered, and fully restored. Striving will cease. Effortless faith will replace it and will ca ca characterize your daily walk with God. Now, as I said, you can't get to that place. You can't get that kind of faith by just dabbling in the Word. We need to immerse ourselves in it. And it's costly. It will cost you. It will cost you time. It will cost you uh, sacrifice. But the rewards that we receive from that cannot be compared to the cost. Jesus said the following, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you will. He placed no restrictions. And he says, it will be done for you. That's a powerful promise. But there is a condition. Not only do we have to abide in Christ through the new birth, but the word has to abide in us. Paul writing to the church in Colossus says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
richly, abundantly. That's Colossians 3.16. God said to Joshua many years ago, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but therein you will meditate day and night that you may be able to observe and do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And let me say something to you that was profound to me when, the, when God spoke these words to me. He said, you do not love me any more than you love my word. He says, you do not love me any more than you love my word. The amount of time we invest in the word of God by studying it, meditating in it and practicing it is a true reflection of our love and devotion to the Lord. Would you agree with that? If God is the word, then that must be true. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So, in conclusion, the greatest gift the Lord has given us in life is the Lord Jesus Christ, the living word of God. And the second greatest gift is time. Remember that, time. Moses prays in Psalm 90, verse 12, and he says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The word brevity means shortness of time or duration of time. When we realize how short our life here on earth is, we will be wise and not squander it or invest it in things that have no eternal value. Amen. Everything else that we have, that we own, one day we're going to leave it behind. And that's why Jesus said to Martha, who was troubled and anxious about many things, Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, just one, not many, one. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. What wise words are these? What did Mary choose? Do you remember? She chose to sit at his feet and listen to his word. You see, she had her priorities in the right place and placed the word of God first before anything else. And Jesus said that was the good part that will never, ever be taken away from her. Everything else, as I said, in this life, sooner or later will be taken away from us. The word of God says, naked we have come into this world, and naked we will go out. Andrew Womack has a saying which I like. He says, you will never see a U-Haul attached to a hearse. Do you know what that means? <laughs> wow. In that case, how should we invest our time, folks? What should we give our priority to? Work, career, even family. 
cannot take that place. Even our spouse cannot take that place. So if we want to develop strong faith and grow root, the root of the word to take root in us, we have to receive the word the way God prescribed it or else it will not take root. And any time something contradicts the word, we will fall. We will walk away and say, it doesn't work. I've tried it, Pastor. I know what you're saying. I know what the Bible says, but it just doesn't work for me. Hello? Did you get something out of this teaching today? This is how... That's why I've entitled this message, Being Rooted and Grounded in the Truth. Being Rooted and Grounded in the Truth. So if you're struggling in any given area, forget about anything else. Just concentrate on that area. Find out what God has to say, what the Word of God says about your situation. And gather about half a dozen scriptures. Don't just take one isolated scripture and camp on that word. Stay with it. How long should I stay with it, Pastor, until it works for you? You may have to stay six months on that, on that word. Take it morning, noon, and night. Write it on a piece of paper, and every given opportunity you have, take out that paper, read it, meditate on it, pray over it, confess it. Stay with it. And that's what Jesus said, stay with the word, continue in the word. How long? Until it works for you. If it doesn't work, then it's not in your heart. Stay with it. That's what I, that's what I advise people to do. And you will find victory in that area. Victory will become effortless when you take that word and do as Jeremiah did. Eat it. Let it become part of you, part of your thought process, part of your spirit. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray and commit this, what we heard today to the Lord. And I pray that we will not just be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word as well. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. There's no greater gift, Lord, than the gift of your word to us. Because in the word, you've given us life, you've given us health, you've given us deliverance, you've given us prosperity, you've given us protection, you've given us favor, you've given us love, and whatever we may need or desire in this life. May your word become life and light to us. May we receive that word the way you prescribed it. And may we embrace that word with all of our hearts and take it according to the prescribed way that you have shown us in your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.